Uh, we're reading from the book of Micah in the Old Testament, and Ian's going to lead us in that reading. So again, that was Micah, and we're reading from chapters, uh, chapter 4 through to chapter 5, so starting at verse 6. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those that have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. And the lame I will make the remnant and those who are cast off a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. The former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why do you cry aloud, is there no king in you? Has your counsellor perished? That pain seized you like a woman in labour. Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labour. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon. There you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hands of your enemies. Now many nations are assembled against you, saying, Let her be defiled, and let our eyes gaze upon Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan, that he has gathered them as sheaves to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron, and I will make your hoofs bronze. You shall beat in pieces many peoples, and shall devout their gain to the Lord, and shall devote their gain to the Lord. Their wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege has laid against us. With the rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labour has given birth. Then the rest of the brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall secure, uh, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Thanks, Ian. Uh, really good. Keep your Bible open there in uh, the book of Micah. Uh, if you want an outline for this morning, there are a couple available on the welcome desk. You can go and grab one. There's a brief one, uh, and there's a slightly more extended one uh, as well. Now, I wonder uh, who here enjoys waiting. You enjoy waiting for things. Uh, Kids, I I wonder how you guys went waiting for the end of school uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Did you wake up every morning uh, counting off how many more days of school there would be uh, until there were holidays? Did you get impatient and restless for it? I wonder how you're going waiting for Christmas Day. Maybe now you're counting off the days until Christmas morning when you get to wake up really early. And wake up everybody else in the house as well. 
Uh, Adults, I wonder how we go uh, when we are waiting. Uh, Maybe you are waiting for that eBay purchase to arrive in the mail. It said it should be here by now. Maybe you are waiting for your time of annual leave to begin. I'll put my hand up for that one. (laughs) I might be counting off the days at the moment. Maybe you spend a lot of your life waiting, waiting for the weekend, uh, waiting for the next big thing, waiting for your sports team to play. Not many of us enjoy waiting, do we? Uh, Have a look around at the doctor's surgery when you find people waiting. How do they go? Fidget, restless, every now and then popping up to the front desk. How many more patients uh, are in front of me? Uh, The most common one, of course, people take out their phone and distract themselves for as long as it's necessary. How do you go waiting for that package to arrive? Do you get on the computer and check the tracking uh, every two days just to see whether it should have been delivered by now? Most of us find waiting frustrating, annoying. It makes us anxious. Waiting can even lead us to wonder whether the thing we're waiting for will ever come about. Maybe it even causes us to doubt. Now, in a couple of days' time, of course, we're going to celebrate Christmas Day. And maybe for many of us, that will be the day that the waiting is finally over. Finally, it's here. Might be the start of our leave. It could be the finally that Christmas party that we've been planning for, cooking for, preparing for. Maybe it's that day we, we get that present that we hope is sitting there under the tree. Finally, our waiting might be over. But in many ways, Christmas Day marks and remembers that our ultimate waiting is finally over. Our ultimate longing and desire, the thing that we are most hanging out for in this world, has finally come. And it's come in the birth of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. This morning we want to have a look at this wonderful prophecy that we have from the book of Micah. Now in many ways the, the book of Micah is quite negative and it's quite harsh. God has some really strong things to say to his people about their sin and about judgment that is coming to them. But ultimately the prophecies of Micah are prophecies of hope. God is going to do something to restore his people. God is going to do something to bring justice and peace to his world. And those promises center on a king, a promised king. You notice it there, uh, start it right all the way back in chapter 4, verse 8. Till you it shall come... The former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. And of course, this passage is probably most famous for God prophesying or foretelling the birthplace of that promised king. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. A ruler, a king is going to be coming from ancient times the one that God has always been promising 
to his people. Well, this morning as we have a look at the king that is promised, I don't want to focus so much on the birthplace. Because if our focus was just there, we'd miss a lot of other things that God is saying. I want to have a look at three things that God promises his king will do. Promises that have been met in Jesus. Things that have been done in Christ and we get to enjoy the blessings and the benefits of. And if you've got an outline there, I want to pick up on three words. Three words that are found here or kind of around here. And the first one is the word redeem. God's promised king comes to redeem. He comes to rescue people. He comes to bring them back into relationship with God. Those who live under the reign of this king enjoy a close relationship with the God who created them because of this king. Now, on two accounts, this is going to be a reversal of the situation that Micah is speaking into. The first one, where they have no credible king, God will give them the right king who looks after them. Have a look there at verse 9 and look at what it says. Now, why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? That pain seized you like a woman in labor. He's saying he's going to correct that situation where there is no good king. Secondly, he's going to reverse the situation of slavery that they find themselves in. Look at, look at verse 10, halfway through. It says, For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon. You'll go far away. There you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Now, we don't often think much about the influence that kings and rulers uh, have on our lives. Uh, Our monarchy is literally half the world away, and it seems to be pretty irrelevant to our day-to-day life. In fact, the most we seem to read about them is the odd scandal Uh, That appears in the papers. And even our own leadership in this country, we think of as pretty irrelevant to our day-to-day lives. We wait every four years for an election. Uh, We wait every two years in between for a change of leader. And that's about as much as it seems to impact us. But for much of the world and for many people throughout history... This has not been the case. Their ruler, their king, shapes almost everything about their lives. How they live it, what's important, what they can expect from their life. I mean, maybe we can think about even the situation in North Korea. I mean, he's not a king, but he's a dictator. It would be hard to say that he doesn't have a direct influence over the people's lives there. Well, this promised king is going to have a direct influence over the lives of people who live under him, under his reign. And what what is that influence going to be? Well, they're going to be people who are rescued. 
who are redeemed, who are brought back. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to do. He came to bring God's rescue to his people. He came to rescue people in slavery, in captivity, not maybe to a, a foreign land or a foreign nation, not held as slaves in chains, but people who are slaves to sin and to death. People who, whose lives are bound up in all sorts of addiction and sinfulness and brokenness. He came to draw people back to himself, to redeem them, to pay the price to bring them back. What value do we put on a human life? What does it cost to redeem slaves? Well, the cost can't be measured in terms of dollars. The cost is measured in blood. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did, didn't he? He paid the price of his own life to rescue us, to suffer in our place, to bear our guilt and our shame and to die so that we could be rescued. Not only are we rescued from something, though, we're rescued to something. We're rescued to a new relationship with the God who created us. He brought us back to our Heavenly Father. Now, many of us at the moment are in the middle of the, uh, the Christmas party season, aren't we? Work parties, uh, family parties. Uh, Micah and I even had a staff party the other day. We went out for dumplings uh, for lunch. It's as good as it gets uh, <laughs> when you're a staff member at South Bowen. Uh, but we have all these kind of, uh, these kind of Christmas do. And some of them involve extended family, don't they? You have this extended family that you uh, meet a few times a year. If there's a wedding, uh, Christmas, you kind of have this nice little catch-up and then you sort of disappear into your own direction and then you just wait for the next family thing to, to get back together. Sometimes we might treat our new relationship with our Heavenly Father like that. It's an occasional catch-up, maybe on a Sunday, maybe just at Christmas time. Or maybe when we really, really need him. But we have been brought back to a living relationship with our Heavenly Father through our King Jesus. He died not just to set us free from sin and death, but to bring us back to the God who made us and who loves us. That's the first word we want to focus on, that word, redeem. The second word that we are used to describe the actions of this promised king is the word conquer. Not only does he rescue his people from their slavery, but he conquers the very things that held them in that slavery. And even more, he actually invites his people to participate in that victory. Now, the current leaders in the time of Micah, and there were many of them, 
They cycled through them over and over again very quickly. And their influence over the people had been harsh and negative and destructive. It led to this place of sin and it led to this exile. But the true king is going to turn that on his head. Look at verse 11 and look what it says. It says, Now many nations are assembled against you, talking about Israel, saying, Let her be defiled and let her, our eyes gaze upon Zion. This is the enemies of God's people surrounding them, saying, Let us get amongst them and destroy them. Let us tear them to pieces. But they do not know, verse 12, the thoughts of the Lord. And they do not understand his plan, that he has gathered them as sheaths to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron and I will make your hoofs bronze, and you shall beat in pieces many peoples and devote their gain to the Lord and their wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. What is this promised king going to do? He's going to conquer He's going to defeat the enemies of God's people. Now, we don't often associate Jesus with such harshness or such strength. We tend to think of his earthly ministry as one of compassion and love and gentleness, and it was that. But the Lord Jesus, he came with strength and with power, and with majesty. And he came to conquer and to defeat the very things that hold us in slavery. And he did that on the cross. The way the book of Philippians puts it, it says that he made a public spectacle of the powers of Satan on the cross. And if you're a fan of that old Bible, the message puts it so wonderfully He marched them naked through the street. He showed sham power for what it really is. He showed those things that hold us and bind us to be weak and powerless in his presence. As he conquered sin, as he undid the curse, as he defeated death and Satan on the cross. He shows himself to be the king who wants what is best for us, who truly wants to set us free. Now, one of the worst types of waiting uh, that we, people can do uh, is waiting for test results. I know there's lots of people here in this church who have been in that situation, waiting for that appointment where that latest Blood test or scan or some other test will be coming back and you are waiting for that news. That's anxious waiting, isn't it? That's fearful waiting. That's nervous waiting. In Jesus, the waiting is over and the results are in. He has set us free. He's defeated every enemy. He's conquered those things which bind us and hold us and want to ruin us. 
He's won on the cross. We are free from it. People who live under the reign of this king live in wonderful, glorious freedom. Freedom from sin and its consequences because he's taken it away. Freedom from performance, from having to try to impress God with our actions because he's done it all for us. Freedom from the guilt which so often grips our hearts and grips our lives. This promised king, he has defeated all of it and we are free. And so the final word, which flows on from that, that we want to see here, is that this king pacifies. Really, that's just a way that I could fit into one word, that this king brings peace. This promised king, this true king, brings a peace that really lasts and that will extend to the ends of the earth. One of the most amazing things in child, care, child control that has ever been invented uh, is that little dummy, isn't it? That little bit of plastic and rubber that you uh, place in a child's mouth to stop them from screaming and to stop everybody else around them from stressing out. That dummy in some parts of the world is called a pacifier, isn't it? Why is it called a pacifier? Because it brings peace. It brings peace to all around. And that's what our king has come to do. He's come to bring peace. Have a look at there, at, uh, starting there in verses 3, uh, and sorry, in verse 4. What this king who's coming will do is he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he stands great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This king brings true peace and lasting peace. He brings it, of course, between us and us and God by that forgiveness that he won through conquering sin and death and wiping the slate clean on our lives. He brought us peace with God, but he brings more than that too. He brings peace to relationships, communities of people like this one. It brings unity and harmony, the ability to forgive one another and to encourage each other. He brings peace in times of stress and anguish because we know that he's in control of things to the ends of the earth and even the smallest, minutest thing. And his work is to bring peace to the ends of the earth. Now, we might struggle with that in some ways because we, we don't often see a lot of peace around about us. We might experience glimpses of it, uh, but we look at the news, we see situations around the world, and we realize that we're still waiting for it. In Micah's time, People waited 600 years for these promises to be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. 600 years for that birth in Jerusalem. 
600 years to wait. And in some ways, we still wait, but we wait very differently. We wait with great hope and with great certainty. We wait with great assurance because the King has come. We wait in freedom. We wait in relationship. We wait knowing that God has answered our every longing. He's answered it in the King Jesus. Child whose birth we celebrate. Child who brings his kingdom into this world. A kingdom that continues to come today. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we thank you that you make and you keep your promises. And we thank you that these promises made so many thousands of years ago are promises that you have kept in the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can remember that you are faithful. We remember that you answer prayers and longings and that you have given us our Savior and our King. Lord God, as we wait for him to return, as we wait with longing, we pray that we would wait well, with peace, with hope, with freedom, as we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.